you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing. Ah, we're coming up on a year of this almost. Man, I can't believe it. Um, alongside Michael F. Florio, we got producer Steve with us as well. Uh, we took the week off, Florio. How was your week off? Did you do anything special? Yeah, I, I did. I went down to La Jolla for a few days. Uh, that's like a beach town by San Diego. Um, it was really cool. I got to go jet skiing in February, which was a new experience <laughs> for me. Um, it was pretty cold, so I... I Cut it a little early, but it was a lot of fun still. And then the rest of the week just kind of relaxed. Uh, watched the Super Bowl in La Jolla. That wasn't uh, as pleasant as I was hoping for, but <laughs> it was a fun week off. How was yours? We will, yeah, we'll get to the Super Bowl in a second. Uh, yeah, I had a good week. I, you know what? I just, I sort of, 
unplugged for the most part. Uh, I didn't really do anything football related after watching the Super Bowl. Um, in fact, I spent very little time on social media as well, which is very refreshing. Uh, I recommend it for people if you can do that. Um, I, I checked every once in a while. I think I might have tweeted maybe three times all week long, but generally I was was pretty hands off of Twitter and I feel refreshed. And then I came back to it on Monday um, and started scrolling again with immediately like, Ugh, I hate myself. Um, why did I do this? <laughs> For the most part, uh, it was a good week. I spent a lot of time reading and catching up on on books and movies and all that kind of stuff. So it was good. It was totally good. Um, so let's let's get to this because we didn't obviously talk about the Super Bowl since we weren't around last week. Uh, I know that the last thing we did on our last show was to give our Super Bowl predictions, and uh, like a good producer, Steve kept the receipts. Um, and so you, you, you have, you have a, a audio record of, of what we chose for the Super Bowl, don't you? I, I don't have them for everyone. Um, one of us, I thought was, were particularly close. Um, so, and I have a record of that. So I was going to give you, give you this, um, this bite. You have a score in mind. I did not prep a score, but let's just come up with one off the top of my head. So let's say... Buccaneers. We'll get 34. <laughs> I will give the Chiefs 10. Ooh, all right. All right. <laughs> I was off by like three points. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, the rest of you, not so much. Yeah. Um, that's not quite how I remember it, but uh, but well played. Well played. This is what happens when you're the producer. You control the audio. You can do this sort of thing. Um, I don't know how to do editing. That's just a straight rip. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, for, but I do remember we all, we all picked the Chiefs. Uh, so we all end up looking – at least we looked foolish together um, What was the whole thing. Uh, I mean, just – look, obviously the game has been a long past now. We're more than a week, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But just, you know, your thoughts, Steve. Start with you. Just your, your general thoughts on what you saw in that game down there in Tampa. Man, it was it was um, exciting for the first quarter, um, and then it was almost a little bit of that sad death march. You know what? The, when the Super Bowl <laughs> comes on, you have that weird, like, kind of pit in the bottom of your stomach where you know this is the end of football, and you you kind of feel sad about it, and you you didn't like going out uh, with such a boring and uh, slow game. You, you know, watching Pat Mahomes make the greatest throws of all time that get dropped where was a little bit of a bummer um, seeing Tampa Bay or seeing Tom Brady win again was a bit deja vu. So I, I wasn't stoked about all that. I guess the I would say the best part of the whole thing was probably the Tampa Bay celebration at the end. Which I didn't see I, I because it was oh, no kind way. of a kind of was a death march. I sort of tapped out with about five minutes left in the game, something like that. Um, like, yeah, I've seen enough at this point. I, I meant the uh, the boat celebration. Oh, that. Yeah, but again, because I because I took the week off and sort of like logged out. I I only saw bits and pieces. I saw a um, how should we say wobbly need Tom Brady being <laughs> helped off a boat. Uh, I saw the 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 Lombardi toss, which I guess the daughter of the designer of the trophy is not happy about. Um, no, she she says he that that Tom Brady owes them an apology, and I think the rest of the world's like whatever, get over it. T- Tom Brady has more stake in that trophy than she, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? He's got seven. He's won seven of them. Like you know, let it go. It, no, no one cares but you. Um, so Flory, I mean, your thoughts. What what did you what did you think uh, after watching that game? 
The game was uh, was t- as a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. Like I'm not a Chiefs fan by any stretch, but I am a big time Patrick Mahomes supporter. Uh, it was rough to watch him have his first bad game as an NFL quarterback. Which I mean, three years into your career to have your first really bad game, I guess is saying something. But it just came at the worst time. Kudos to the Bucks defense for getting the job done and. And how fitting was it that it was A.B. and and Gronk and not like Evans and Godwin doing their thing? Like, you know, Brady just had to put his fingerprints all over it. But I do think in one year as a Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, Tom Brady has been way more fun than in 20 years as a Patriot. I think that's probably fair. Um, I did think it was interesting that uh, the Chiefs were beaten by mostly guys that weren't there the year before. I mean, you know, it was Brady. It was Brown. It was Gronk. I mean, all these guys weren't there last season and they you know they were the catalyst uh, I mean especially you know Brady obviously and, and Gronk and you know AB steps up in the Super Bowl um I was definitely surprised by how dominant Tampa's defense was mm-hmm. and I knew you know I knew the Chiefs had injuries you know Eric Fisher being hurt you know and the, the shuffle along the offensive line was going to change some things but I was still just just floored at how dominant that Bucks defense was from start to finish um I would say this because somebody asked me, what, you know, what do I, where do the Chiefs go from here? I don't think if you're the Chiefs, you know, you have to do a major rebuild. You don't have to retool. You're still going to be a contender, right? It, there's no reason to think that the Chiefs couldn't somehow get back to the Super Bowl next year. They're still good enough to do that. But um, yeah, they, they, just, they just got beat up. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way around it. Uh, they just got flat beat up uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. So congrats. To the Buccaneers, uh, I think I know two Buccaneers fans. So congratulations to both of you um, on your Super Bowl win. Uh, yeah, in fact, isn't our, I think our pal uh, Matt Frederick is he a Buccaneers fan? I don't. Remember. He he is not. He he is purely a fantasy fan. But uh, researcher Matt Frederick's family is from Tampa Bay, and he told me that they were all really really stoked about it. Um, I I have some family in Tampa too. They're not Bucks fans, but they said the city was very lively this last week. Oh, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. So I, you know what? I think I was confused because I know I know Matty Frederick is a a Rays fan, or at least he was cheering for the Rays in the World Series. Uh, so I think I just transferred his Bucks fanship onto him uh, because of that. All right. Um, when we last left you, we were kind of doing a a end of season positional wrap up. Uh, we had done quarterbacks, we have done running backs. I should also mention, by the way, that uh, we are we are downgrading to once a week. Um, yeah, we just, we have other things we're working. We're, we're working on videos for you guys. Uh, a lot of YouTube stuff. You can check us out by the way, at youtube.com slash NFL fantasy football. Uh, but we're doing a lot of VOD stuff. We're writing a whole lot more. We're getting ready for the draft. So the pod's going to be once a week, uh, starting this week. So there you go. Um, so last time we talked to you though, we talked about, uh, running backs and kind of how the season went for them. We still have uh, wide receivers. Next week, we'll do tight ends. And then at that point, we'll start to transition into some draft stuff. Uh, we've got our pal Matt Okada on deck, who told me he has a ton of notes. He spent the past week watching tape and doing scouting reports. So he's got a ton of stuff. Uh, so we'll start kind of talking with him probably in, you know, sometime, sometime in March, uh, definitely through April once we get to the draft. And we'll go really hard on that kind of stuff. But in the meantime, uh, let's talk about some wide receivers from last year, how things went. Uh, I'll start with a question that, that I have asked for the other two positions so far. Uh, who were your biggest preseason hits uh, from the wide receiver spot? So for me, I, I had a, a couple. Um, I, I don't like to talk like the, the high end receivers because a lot of people are on them. But for me, 
Uh, Will Fuller was a big hit. Mm-hmm. I, I was all over Will Fuller uh, in the preseason. I, I thought that him and Watson were a match made in heaven. And up until that PED suspension, Will Fuller <laughs> was a top 10 wide receiver. So uh, I think that was a hit. I think if you kind of took Will Fuller and Marquise Brown's season and blended them into one, because I was really high on Marquise <laughs> Brown as well, that was a huge, great hit. But late season Marquise Brown maybe a little. And then CeeDee Lamb was a player I was really, really high on. I think he hit. And in season, I got really high on T. Higgins. I thought week three, before week three, I was saying to pick him up. So he was my last big wide receiver hit, I would say. I do I do like T. Higgins. You know, I'm going to come back to Justin Jefferson because I, I really thought he was going to have – he exceeded my expectations. I didn't think he was going to be nearly as productive as he was. I mean – uh, I never envisioned he was going to finish as a top 10 wide out. Um, I just thought he would be the best of the rookies, and he was, but but he had a, a phenomenal year. Uh, another one who maybe wasn't quite as eye-popping, but I thought under the circumstances, uh, LaVisca Chenault, I thought, had some some nice production at times. The Jaguars, you know, obviously were were kind of a mess offensively at times outside of James Robinson, and it'll be interesting to see what happens if they do what we anticipate and take Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. Um, you know, we'll see what happens then. But I like the way they sort of integrated him into the offense. Um, he was much more receiver than running back this past year, but whatever. I'll take it anyway. Uh, anyway, we, we can get it. So uh, I was very excited about him and, and look forward to seeing what can happen um, next year. Uh, I will say that, you know, if we're talking hits, we talk misses. Michael Gallup is high on my list. I, I thought, you know, big things were coming for Michael Gallup this year. Uh, that just didn't happen. Um, I will say that in some ways, I guess if you could call DeAndre Hopkins a miss in the sense that I didn't think he would be quite as productive as he was. I, I thought that, you know, the targets wouldn't be there uh, the way they were, but that worked out just fine. Obviously, <laughs> he was a top five wide receiver uh, when I wasn't sure that that he could be. Um, but I will. That's a miss I will take. The Michael Gallup one hurts a little bit. The DeAndre Hopkins one to like miss and have him be better than you thought. Uh, I'll take that one all day. Uh, as for you, who who were the guys you you sort of swung and missed on this year? It's funny because my I, I was thinking about this a lot, and I think my biggest misses were the the fades I had this past year. DeAndre Hopkins being one of them. I, I was fading Stephon Diggs. I was fading <laughs> Keenan Allen and Mike Evans. That did not work out at all. And, and it's <laughs> ironic, Marcus, because I often joke that like talent doesn't score fantasy points. But I think the lesson here is when it comes to these elite, like the very best at their position – Maybe don't doubt those guys as much as I did because same as you, I thought D-Hop was going to lose some targets and maybe not live up to expectations. I thought the same thing for Diggs and Keenan Allen. And boy, oh boy, did they make me look very, very silly. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, I think I've said this before. I ended up being right about Keenan Allen, but not in the way that I anticipated. I had told myself a story that that Tyrod Taylor could get the ball to Keenan, uh, could keep him productive, could have him be okay. Uh, obviously, that wasn't how it worked out. Uh, Tyrod gets hurt early in the year with that medical mishap. Um, Justin Herbert steps in, is great, and Keenan Allen prospers. So I was sort of right, just not nearly in the manner that I thought I was going to be right. But whatever. It counts. A win is a win. A win is a win. I'll take <laughs> it. Uh, I will take it. Um, so we've got – I mean, look, wide receiver is probably the deepest position in all of fantasy. Um, and we've got those elite guys at the top that, that you talked about, um, you know, the Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Nuke Hopkins, all those guys at, at the top. Um, how many of them 
do you think we're going to see come off the board in the first round next year? I think it's possible you see between two to three in the first round. Although if it was up to me, it might only be one because I think there's going to be uh, a top eight consensus that I think you can, everyone will have in their own order. But for me, I think the top eight are CMC, Dalvin, Kamara, Henry, Saquon, Taylor, Kelsey, and Adams. So I'm putting one wide receiver in that top eight because I think Devontae Adams is as, as good as they could come in fantasy football. But after that, so then that leaves four more picks in the first round. I could see one of Diggs or or Tyreek Hill or potentially both, depending on who you're drafting with, sliding into those last four picks. But I could also see it all being running backs because people are really trying to get that running back position addressed early in drafts before it thins out, especially because it's something that me and you talk about so much, Marcus, that from like rounds three, four on, the receivers are just so much better than the available running backs. So I think that's going to become more and more of the popular strategy this year. Try to get your running back in the first round if you can. And if not, you know, you could wait a little bit and then start getting your receivers. Yeah, I you look, Devontae Adams, I think, is easily going to be a first round pick. Um, <clears throat> I can see people making a case for Tyreek Hill and possibly Stefan Diggs. I, I don't know beyond that. I think even Nuke is probably more of a second round guy for me. And it's 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 interesting because I think every year when we get to draft season, there is one spot in the draft order that is going to be harder than all the other spots. And just listening to you, you know, kind of rattle off the top eight in whatever order, you know, people want to put them. Um, it makes me feel like if I get stuck at nine, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hating life. And, and not that there are bad players out there, right? There are going to still be a lot of great players out there, but it is, it is that conundrum of, okay, do I, do I take a running back here? Do I maybe reach and and take a running back like say, uh, who do I go? Do I, do I go Nick Chubb maybe somewhere at the back of the first round? Right? Do I do I take a chance on? I was gonna say Josh Jacobs, but I can't I can't justify <laughs> Josh Jacobs as a first round pick. I just can't. Um, so do I do I take a chance on say Nick Chubb late in the first round, or do I make that move and do I go get Stefan Diggs? Um, you know, how do I how do I negotiate what I do with the ninth pick with what's coming back around in what, six, seven more picks to me when we come back on the turn? Um, anybody in that nine, 10, even 11 spot, you're going to really have some tough decisions to make even 12 so much, but you get the back to back pick. So um, nobody's crying for you. But um, it is going to be tough, right? Like, I feel like if you're in that nine spot this year, uh, that's going to be an ugly, just frustrating really hard place to be i mean i'd rather you know i'd rather sit at, at six and feel like i get a guy that i can feel confident on i don't know is that am i weird am i crazy for that no as of now i completely agree because let's say like like the benefit of having picks nine through 12 i guess is that you can come away with two top 12 or 13 running backs but you're missing out on all those elite running backs and then the issue is it doesn't even become at pick nine like Oh, is it this running back or Tyreek Hill? Because I think you could make the case for, you said Nick Chubb. I think Aaron Jones might be in there. James Robinson, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. Like, there's going to be so many, you know, like, oh, well, I like this running back more. So maybe, like, it's just going to be a really tough decision to make. And I I think if I'm in that position, maybe I grab two running backs and, and just say, all right, you know, like, I got that position addressed. But I even think those picks are too early to start thinking about like a Waller or a, a Kittle. And if you miss out on Kelsey, it's like, all right, well, now I can't get my elite tight end. So 
It is not. Normally, I like being at the end of the first round, but I don't think that's going to be the case this year. That might be tough this year. Um, so with all that said, and I was thinking about this as I was putting together the rundown, um, does it make sense to even take a first round wide receiver? I, I look, let's let's exclude Devontae Adams. I feel like he is sort of a no-brainer there, right? Like if he's sitting there and you're at you know the eighth spot or what have you, and he's still on the board, I think you take him. But beyond that, does it even make sense to take a first round wide receiver when, as you mentioned, if you wait till round three, there's still a lot of really good you know, wide receiver one type players still on the board. Does it even make sense to reach for one of those guys in the first round? I, I don't think so, because if I'm in that position at pick nine or 10 or something like that, I'm going to just double down on the running backs. Maybe I end up with something like Jones and and Robinson or Robinson and Eckler, whatever the case may be, I can find two running backs there that I feel comfortable with because if I wait and my running, my second running back, or or let's say even you go wide receiver, wide receiver, like some people like to do, end of the third round for your first running back is going to be pretty gross. So, or for your, even for your second running back. So uh, something that I like to do is grab two running backs in the first three rounds. And something that I'm toying with even more this year, Marcus, is two running backs and a tight end and not even getting my first receiver till the fourth round, which to some people you know, may sound crazy, but like I think it's very feasible, at least with how like best ball drafts are looking now. You could wait till the fourth round and still come away with something like CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Will Fuller. And like I would love that wide receiving court. Did we just come up with like a modified zero WR theory here? <laughs> is that what is that what just happened here? That we're I talking? think so. <clears throat> I mean, it makes sense, right? Um, because as we've talked about, running back is uh, a lot thinner. It's it's at least it's top heavy, right? You've got a lot of elite guys at the top. Um, then after say those first seven or eight guys, there is there is a bit of a drop off, at least in terms of the the week to week consistency that you expect. We know, you know, Kelsey is probably going to be a first round pick in most leagues. Um, There's one or two wide receivers. But generally speaking, I think the run on on receivers is going to come in the third round, fourth round. That's when you're going to see a lot of those guys really flying off the board because everybody's going to try or most people, I should say, are going to try uh, to get their running backs fairly early in this one. Um, One thing I was sort of thinking about and and just kind of came to me a little bit. um, Are there guys that that you think maybe uh, are going to bounce back that maybe we're underperforming this past year that you think bounce back a little bit. Julio Jones is the first one that comes to mind, but then I also wonder if Julio maybe is on the downside at this point, but I, I'm just wondering if there are guys that, that you look at that, you know, people are going to maybe turn their nose up at that you can think you can get a value on this year. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Julio is a good one because I think there's a very good chance that for the first time in his career, Julio Jones is a, wide receiver two in fantasy football because people are are concerned about him um some others so you know i'm a i'm a team washed kind of guy like the older <laughs> receivers like aj green and those guys were the first names that popped in the head I, I i can't go after them um i'm pulling up my computer's being really slow i'm pulling up a list of uh right, the well, wide I, receivers as, as you as you look at i because like a name another name that came to mind and I guess he underperformed. I, I'm thinking Juju. Juju Smith Schuster. Yes, um, is one who he ended the he ended the year as the highest fantasy scoring wide receiver in Pittsburgh. But I don't know that anybody would look at what Juju did and say he had a great year. Like I just don't think that's possible. Um, the question is whether or not he's still in Pittsburgh. 
Uh, I think that that's going to be that's going to have a lot to do with it. But I do think there is I can tell myself a story where Juju, especially if he goes somewhere else, uh, starts to become a target monster and starts to be more than a glorified tight end, which would help his value immensely next year. I, I think that is a great call. Um, so I think like DJ Moore and Cooper Cup fit that list, but they're going to have a lot of hype. I think Cup with Stafford now and DJ Moore, just everyone loving him. Um, I think a good one is Odell Beckham Jr. It ah, feels like yeah. a lot of people have <laughs> Odell fatigue. And if he's going in like the fifth, sixth round, sign me up. Like he is just so talented that I will still get sucked back in at that price. If he's going in like, you know, the third, fourth round and people start hyping him up again, then I'll be out. But I, I think Odell, there's going to be a lot of Odell fatigue in fantasy this year. I think that's a perfect description. I, I do. And he's a name that I think, well, at least that I forget every once in a while because he got hurt you know, so early in the year. We didn't see him pretty much all year. Uh, and I do think that, that that Odell fatigue is real. There are a lot of people that just don't like the guy. Uh, and for that reason, you know, they feel like he's overrated. They feel like, you know, his, his career peaked with the catch, uh, which was his rookie season. Um, and so I do think he's going to kind of hang around on draft boards. And I, th- I think fifth round is a legitimate price for for Odell Beckham and if that's what it is sure I would uh I take the risk on that I absolutely he fits take the, risk. the zero wide receiver strategy because he, he can easily be a wide receiver one if he is healthy and you get him in a fifth round and a nice discount you if he can give you even top 15 numbers you've missed out on nothing by waiting at the wide receiver position absolutely true um all right so along that line and, you know, combined with the fact that the the biggest, you know, Internet news recently has been all the meme stocks, you know, uh, you know, everybody who jumped in on GameStop or AMC, uh, you know, anybody, by the way, did you did you get in? Were you a Wall Street bets guy? Are you waiting for the Tindy man to come? Do you have you followed I, any of that? I did not buy. I was way too late to GameStop or AMC. I did try to get in on the Dogecoin and uh, it's just kind of been very stagnant since I bought it. Yeah, I uh, I got a little bit of AMC. I lost forty bucks and decided that was enough. Um, <laughs> I will uh, I will gladly lose my forty bucks and I will walk away from it there. Um, yeah, <laughs> you, you pretty much learn quickly if it is or is not for you. Uh, so that that, but because of that, it made me think of uh, some some wide receivers out there that if we're going to go along this theme, whether you're you're going to buy, sell, or hold. Um, I think this definitely for you dynasty folks out there, I think has a lot more impact than necessarily, you know, redraft leagues or whatever. But I came up with five guys um, and then you can give me your thoughts on on if you're going to buy, sell or hold some of these guys heading into 2021. Uh, the first one is is Adam Thielen. I mean, after watching look, the touchdowns kept him afloat, but Justin Jefferson became the star attraction there. Uh, what, what are we feeling about Adam Thielen next year? I was very high into Adam Thielen coming into this season, but it pains me to say that I would sell him after 2020. First, he's going to be 31 years old next year. That's getting up there for a wide receiver. And then, like you said, Marcus, career-high 14 touchdowns. That that made him a wide receiver one this year. You you cannot rely on 14 touchdowns. <laughs> like, if that number drops to eight next year or even lower, like, that is a huge hit to his numbers. And then he had less targets target share, uh, receptions, receiving yards, and fantasy points than Justin Jefferson as a rookie who had no preseason. So I very much so think that 2021 on, 
Justin Jefferson is the alpha there, and Thielen will be a very good number two wide receiver, but this might be your last chance to sell him off as a wide receiver one in Dynasty. My first thought was hold, that maybe you can hold on, and, and but, but, you know, you just reminded me the 14 touchdowns and that that being the career high coming at age 30, it seems really, really hard to duplicate, even even in an offense that is fairly concentrated like that. I mean, we, we know unless something weird happens that most of the targets are still going to go through Thielen and Jefferson. But um, you're right. The the decline is coming. And I think especially in this situation, I would rather sort of move on a year too early than a year too late. So so maybe it is. So I'm, I'm changing my thought from hold uh, to sell on this one. Um, so Mike Evans, we both thought that you know this was the year that Mike Evans was going to fall off a little bit. Uh, I, I really had, had bought in even more heavily to Chris Godwin this past year. Midway through the season, though, it became apparent that Evans was the guy that Tom Brady was going to and making plays with. Does that continue? Do we do we even get more excited with a you know a full year under their belts together, or or is is Brady going to distribute the wealth a little bit more next year? Um, I think he's a hold only because he is for me. He is such a hard player to figure out. Like he has all the the physical ability, and he's the only player in NFL history with a thousand yards in his first in each of his first seven seasons beating Randy Moss's record. So like, yeah, he is amazing. He is a great talent, but just like Thielen, he had 13 touchdowns, which clearly helps him. And like Marcus, I know we were low on, on Evans and I had him outside my top 15 and he finishes wide receiver 11, which was worse than he was last year. Like he definitely was worse, <laughs> but those touchdowns really saved him because it could have been as bad as we expected. He had, a career low in, uh, in air yards per game. He was over 130 with Jameis Winston per game in the last two years, 83 with Tom Brady. 109 targets was a career low. He had a career low in receiving yards per game, uh, in receptions per game. So it really was just the touchdowns really saving him. He barely broke 1,000 yards. Uh, I, To me, I think he is a borderline wide receiver one, maybe high-end wide receiver two, which is, I think, what he was kind of being valued at coming into this year. So I'm going to say hold, but he's a tough one to figure out. He's a tough one to figure out. I I came into this past year saying, you know, I was was adamant that he was not going to be a top 10 receiver, but I also said that I was too scared to drop him below my top 12. So I think I had him at 12, uh, mostly because I was a chicken. So, you know, he ended up at 11, so it was fine. Um... But I mean, I will tell you that after the first two or three weeks of the season, I wasn't really sure about it either. Because I mean, he was, um, yeah, he was he was that goal line guy, and that was kind of it. And and he wasn't really doing a whole lot else. And eventually, they started you know using him more as a full service kind of wide receiver. But I'm sort of with you. I still think Chris Godwin um, is maybe the guy there. Uh, you know, I think long term, he's the guy that that is going to be the playmaker in this offense. I don't know what's going to happen with Antonio Brown if he comes back next year. Um, I know that there is there's a Tyler Johnson hive that is out there uh, in fantasy Twitter. We know that because every time he makes one of his like spectacular one handed sticky catches, uh, that hive starts buzzing a little bit. You know, who knows whether or not he actually steps up and becomes a bigger part of the offense. Um, so I am a tentative hold on Mike Evans, um, but but it worries me because that's one that. Uh, that could go south too in a hurry, um, especially if Brady decides he wants to spread the ball around a little bit more the next year. Uh, next year, um, Jerry Judy was the next one on my list, 
And I really was sort of torn about this one. I think my inclination is to say bye just because he's a young player. Um, he's a young player in an offense that has a lot of weapons. Uh, and, and it really depends on, for me, the maturation of Drew Locke. But you look at that receiving core in Denver, what they can have when they're healthy with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, and, you know, Tim Patrick played really well at times last year. KJ Hamler is still there. They've got Noah Fant uh, as a tight end who can go out and make plays there. They've got weapons there. So it might be tough for Judy to really get a lion's share of the targets, but I'm going to sort of side with youth in this situation and believe that, you know, believe in sort of what his ceiling potentially can be and say bye. But I will tell you that I'm not confident about that because if Drew Locke continues to just sort of be meh, um, then I think Judy's going to continue to be just kind of meh. I don't know your thoughts. I completely agree. I, I do think though Judy is a bye right now only because, Remember, like, last year it was Judy versus CeeDee Lamb, who is the best receiver talent in this class. And Judy, everyone hyped up his route running, and he showed us this year. Like, I'm a stats guy first before, like, what my eyes tell me. I think you get value out of both, but I just think I'm better with with numbers. And there's nothing good in the numbers for Jerry Judy at all. (laughs) But people who break down film and stuff all rave about how great of a route runner he is and how – you know, he's shown us everything at the NFL level that they were hoping to see. So I'm willing to give him another chance, but it's exactly what you said. I I don't like Drew Locke. So that's why the fact that the Broncos have been tied to other quarterbacks this offseason and maybe upgrading the position, I think is only good things for Jerry Judy. Because he saw 93 targets from Drew Locke last year, Marcus. No one else had more than 70. The only issue is they completed 44% of those passes. <laughs> that is absolutely disgusting. Uh, So I don't think it's Jerry Judy that is the issue here. I think it is all Drew Locke and either maybe Locke, they they upgrade him or or whatever. But if not, it's not going to cost you a whole lot to get Judy right now either, I don't think. That's a that's a good point. Um, so you're saying if somehow the Broncos are able to swing a deal for Deshaun Watson, it's it's to the moon for Ooh. Jerry Judy. <laughs> it, it is to the moon. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then a guy that he was sort of tied to in in the draft, Henry Ruggs, who surprisingly, I think to a lot of people, ended up being the first wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft last year. I don't think anybody anticipated that happening. Um, I just never felt like he was a good fit in the Raider offense uh, last year. And the, the numbers sort of sh- sort of showed that uh, a little bit. You, you talk about being a stats guy. Um, is that is that going to be his future? Does he get better? What what happens? What what are you doing with with Henry Ruggs? I so much like Mike Evans. He is a really hard one to for me to figure out. I have him as a hold only because he is so young and was a first round pick. And we know that teams, you know, they do tie value to the draft capital they give up on players. But I agree with you, Marcus. I think he was a terrible fit for the Raiders. Like I think Jerry Judy would have been a much better fit here and they had the opportunity to take him also how crazy is it that rugs judy devonta smith they were all together in alabama at the same time <laughs> like that receiving room is is something wild but what concerns me about rugs is this past year Derek carr did take more shots down the field the issue was they weren't henry rugs they were to nelson aguilar <laughs> rugs was five of 14 of, on targets of 20 plus air yards for 245 yards and two tds Aguilar was 10 of 20, 415, and six TDs. He was just 
the much better deep threat than Henry Ruggs. Plus, we know Darren Waller is going to be the unquestioned number one target in this offense. So I think Ruggs, as of right now, is more of a better best ball pick. He'll have some big weeks if he catches that long ball. But when is that going to come? Is it going to go to Nelson Aguilar? It's just hard to figure out. The Maybe the most telling thing about Henry Ruggs this season is that he was fifth on the team in total targets. And we just spent the year and part of this offseason so far lamenting how the Raiders don't throw the ball to Josh Jacobs enough, how Josh Jacobs doesn't get as many targets as we want. He still had more targets than Henry Ruggs. Like, that seems like a bad thing. Um, but I'm with you in that he's young. He was a first-round pick. Uh, I think the Raiders really want to make this work. And at least they're going to give it another shot. It wasn't look. It wasn't like he was, you know, injured all season long uh, and that they're frustrated with him or that he was, you know, a bad teammate or bad in practice. He just didn't perform well on the field. I think John Gruden, Mike Mayock, I think everybody there in Vegas – is willing to give him the shot to kind of be the guy they think he can be. And so for that reason, I think you, you hold him. I don't know that I'm, I'm, you know, trying to pick him up in spots because I just haven't seen enough. And I'm still, still not convinced that he's a good fit uh, for this offense, but I'm willing to kind of wait it out at least one more year. Now, if we're, if we're still having the same conversation this time next year, um, I think I'm willing to walk away. But but right now I'm willing to give another shot. Was it Doriel Green Beckham? Was that the the really fast wide receiver the Raiders reached on like ten years ago? Yeah, uh, which was another one that was sort of weird for me. I you know <laughs> I just remember um, somebody. No, it wasn't Dor- No, was it Doriel Green Beckham? No, they, they took him over Crabtree. One, whoever it was, I believe. That if, if we're having this conversation in a year about rugs, Marcus, that's going to be a name we're going to hear thrown around a lot. If, yeah, if it's, who, no, I'm I, I'm I'm going to Google this. Darius Hayward Bay, that's who. It that's was. it. Darius Hayward Bay, uh, and I remember because I remember uh, somebody making the point to me after they drafted him that you know if he's so great. Why is it that he never had these banana seasons at Maryland who played one of the more wide open offenses in college football at the time? Maryland was throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, and somehow DHB could never come up with like a huge statistical season. That probably sounds should have a been lot a like Henry Ruggs should have been a red flag. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens, but right. This is, this for me is a make or break year fantasy wise for Henry Ruggs. If it doesn't happen this year, I'm just not sure that it happens at least with the Raiders. Um, the last one, and I kind of showed my hand on this one a little bit, was uh, is LaVisca Chenault because, uh, you know, I talked about how I liked him coming into this past year um, and, and how I thought he had a good year under the circumstances in an offense that could never find its footing. Uh, they went through a number of quarterbacks down there in Jacksonville. Um, it was an offense mostly built around James Robinson. But I'm going to say that I would I would kind of make LaVisca Chenault a buy. I think, um, I think what they did with him, the fact that, look, there is no real dominant wide receiver there in Jacksonville. Um, you know, I guess DJ Chark is kind of the closest thing they got to it, but there's opportunities for guys to go out and be playmakers in that offense. And again, if they do what we expect and they draft uh, Trevor Lawrence, this offense instantly gets better. So I, I don't, I'm not saying LaVisca Chanel is going to be a wide receiver one. I think he's still a low end at best wide receiver two, probably more of a flex guy. But I like the upside and I'm I'm willing to kind of, you know, see if I can pick him up in a couple of spots and just hope for that upside to hit a little bit. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I, I have him as a buy as well. I, I think it is the worst kept secret in sports of who the Jaguars are going to take <laughs> at number one. Like Urban Meyer was watching Trevor Lawrence at his pro day as if he was already his head coach. Um, and, and there's so like that duo to me is so much to get excited for because Trevor Lawrence looks the part and everyone says he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And then their offenses just flow together like Meyer is his tenure with with Ohio State was running a ton of three wide receiver sets, which is what Trevor Lawrence has ran in Clemson for his three seasons there. So I think that they are going to be a very strong duo together with Shark and Chenault as the teams right now, at least as their top two pass catching options. And, and there's a lot to get excited for there. Um, and I think, Marcus, if they don't get creative with Chanel, like, what are you doing? Because you can use this guy all over the field. Uh, the only thing I'll say is my my stance as of now continues to be whichever one of these two, Shark or Chanel, gets more hype, I'm probably going to just draft the other one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably a fair way to do it. Uh, I still think – I think Shark's going to be the guy that, that people will most target, uh, which is good for the, the Chanel fans like me that I can sort of wait a little bit, hopefully, on him next year. Uh, and Steve just pointed this out. The the Jaguars Twitter account is already sort of tweeting as though Trevor Lawrence is their guy. Like they're, they're tweeting from the pro day, first pro day complete. Um, but, yeah, they're already all, all over it, like, you know, like he's the guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Can so we just get the Jets on the clock already? Pretty much. Here's This is, this is an aside. What's going to be really frustrating is – when the Jaguars are on the clock and they use the entire clock still, you know, we're still going to be sitting there waiting and they're going to use up the whole, what is there, 15 minutes or whatever it is. And they're finally going to announce what we all have known for months they're going to do. That's going to be the part that frustrates all of us. Like, come on. Since, since the Jets won their second game, we've known that Trevor Lawrence is going to end up in Jacksonville. Like, let's just move on to the next. Place. Let's just go. Let's just go. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, so that's that's sort of our look at wide receivers. I mean, I'm sure we will touch on this again, too, before the offseason is done, especially I know when we get to the draft, we'll talk some wide receivers, too, uh, at that point. Um, the other interesting thing that happened over this past week, the FCF started up and I know we talked about it, I think, a couple of weeks ago. I think I asked if you guys are going to play FCF fantasy, which I thought would be weird when you can sort of, you know, in theory, control the action. Like, how do you play fantasy on that? I don't know. Um, but they had their first games. Their inaugural weekend was this past weekend. And Steve, I need you to get back in here because you told us you you sat down and watched a good chunk of it. Floriano, you said you watched a little bit too. But but Steve, I know you watched a, a good amount of it. And I just want to get your takeaways from it after what you saw this weekend. I probably watched like the first 15 minutes ever of FCF football. Um, and uh, very interesting. Uh they did the whole like WWE style entrance for the players. Uh, they made it feel kind of like it, a cool version of arena fo- football league. I thought the weirdest thing were some of the rules though, like the <laughs> offensive line and the defenses play two games back to back for two different teams. They just swap out jerseys. Like it's halftime, uh, which seems <laughs> like it's maybe not like a healthy thing uh long term uh can't necessarily speak to that but uh, honestly the idea behind it uh, seems like it's something you could get into almost a little bit like madden meets world of warcraft meets the arena football league because it's pretty in depth that's so so i'm sorry i'm 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 stuck on the all-time offensive and defensive lines right now weird 
Um, the whole defense, not the defensive line, the whole defense. Oh, the whole defense. Yeah. Oh, okay. So now <laughs> the, the one thing I do know is that there's only there's one, there's one coach and like one position coach basically for because basically like all the all the wide receivers just work with one wide receiver coach and all the quarterbacks work with one quarterback coach. It's not like each of the four teams has their own. Yeah, um, and there's a weekly draft too, so they change teams every week. Oh wait, oh. really? Yeah. So it's like if you're playing fantasy, like it's like hardcore, really in-depth fantasy. Oh. You're voting on which player you have each week. But it's like I think it'd be tough to like sit down and watch as just a fan like one time. So okay, so now you I mean you watched it a little bit too as well, Flory. I mean, you're does that does that sound like about what you how you came away from it? I had no idea that they switched teams and that the O-line was like that seems like a huge disadvantage to whichever team has to play second because their O-line and defense are just going to be worn yeah. out. But uh the thing I took away from it is Johnny Manziel looked like a superhero. Um like <laughs> he was one what he was one for five. Oh well, I, I saw him running, and yeah. uh, he he just scrambled from the pocket, and no one could. At one point, he was running backwards. I was like, "What? What is <laughs> going on here?" But he just looks fat, like the fastest guy on the field. Their their extra points are from a stool, which I thought was uh, was kind of weird. Like, yeah, I saw, I saw. I mean, I saw the you know one Twitter video of you know, the the quarterback takes the ball off the stool, and what he's got. Three seconds to to throw the ball and try to you know score the extra point, um, where it's I mean it literally is a seven on seven. It's like a it's like a combine drill almost basically, or like a a senior bowl drill. Watching the wide receiver and the DB line up against each other. Um, so, with you guys having seen it, my first thought about the future, the long term of this league is that. It's so I refer to all stuff like this as slam ball. And I don't know if either of you yes. are familiar with I remember slam ball. Slam ball, was, slam ball was great to watch at like 11 o'clock at night from a bar. Right. Like if I were a couple of beers in and I was out somewhere and slam ball was on TV, I'm like, oh, hey, check it out. Um, I don't think I ever just sat down at home and watched slam ball. And I feel like that's what FCF is going to be. It'll be fun. It's kind of weird and. Uh, you know, they're trying to do different things and, and try to you know attract more attention without directly competing with the NFL. But I always feel like it's also always going to be sort of a novelty that does well at bars late at night, like on a Friday or Saturday. Am I am I weird? No, I think it's a lot like playing Madden, right? If you are actually <laughs> doing a, like, you know, you're you're picking the plays and right. When do you play Madden? Like it's like Friday, Saturday night at 11, 12 midnight. <laughs> Uh, so you're not you're not wrong in that sense, uh, but if you're not playing, I I don't know I can't get into it. I mean, it's well look I, it's on Twitch right? They they air their games on Twitch, so obviously that is that's the audience they're going for. So I I guess that's not completely weird. No, I think you're right though, Marcus. Like on a Saturday night, you're not going to get people to sign into Twitch and sit down and watch one of these games. But if it was on like late at night or something, I, I'd probably throw it on. I watched a lot of weird sports during like quarantine. Like I watched <laughs> spike ball. I watched uh, ultimate Frisbee. There was some car, like just cause there was nothing else on. Like I was just, so like, if it was on then I definitely would have threw it on then. I'm guilty of watching a couple of marble races. So I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I understand that. Um, all right. So, okay. Then Steve, having watched, you know, 15, 20 minutes of it, would you watch it again? Only if I and I signed up, but I I caught myself because I'll I'll get like kind of addicted to something and I know it'd be risky. I signed up so that I could 
do the level one voting for plays, which is just run or pass. Okay. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask if you, I was going to ask if you called plays, but okay. All right. Yeah. You have to like pass a bar to be allowed to call actual plays. The low bar is run or pass. Wait, what is the bar? You have to to pass a test or something? Yes. You get like a score that goes up uh, every time you say something or, you know, you pick the right play. If you pick like, run and they run for a touchdown you get points then you're allowed to pick like run left or run right you get enough points and you can pick like different pitch or handoff i would like hail mary hail mary Mary. (laughs) i don't let you do it because you have to earn points to do that i would be like making up other accounts for the other team and like just saying first and 10 we're punted but yeah they, they thought about that unfortunately so you can't do that all right um Huh. All right. I, I, I really don't know what to say beyond that, but uh, I, I wish them the best of luck. Uh, I know that, you know, there are people out there trying to create spring football to try and capitalize on the popularity of the NFL. So hopefully this works. Um, I don't like I said, I don't have a I don't have a real uh, rooting interest one way or another. But if it works, great. If not, you know, we'll find something else to do with our time. Uh, not a doubt. Um so I wanted to end the show uh, because we were off last week, obviously. And I know that a lot of you who listen to this show are also uh, fans of Around the NFL. Listen to that podcast and, and you know watch what those guys do. And um, I would assume that by now, most if not all of you know that, that we lost Chris Wessling um, just before the Super Bowl. And uh, like I said, we weren't here last week, so we didn't really get a chance to kind of share our thoughts. I, I just, you know, Wes and I, did our employee orientations on the same day. It was just the two of us in the room talking to HR, watching videos. But from from that moment on, uh, I always sort of felt that we at least had that connection. Um, But I was very fortunate over the the last few years to kind of get to know Wes and and kind of become friends with him. And um, everything that everybody has said about him to this point is absolutely true. He was one of the most genuine, caring people I've ever met. Um, Chris wasn't just smart. He was wise. Um, I don't think I ever had an uninteresting conversation with him. Uh, and even now, a little more than a week, week and a half removed from from his his passing. It's still weird to think about him uh, in the past tense. Um, I, I yeah. I know the NFL media will never be the same place without him. I know uh, that that the ATN guys who I, I love dearly, who I'm, I'm fans of and friends with, um, I know that those guys will never be the same. And, uh, you know, we, we already miss Chris. Uh, we love him. We love Lakeisha, his wife and their kid, Lincoln, who is just beautiful. Um, but but it's been it's been a really surreal week. Uh, without Chris Wessling here. And, um, you know, it, it it was amazing to get to know him. Um, and we'll always be sad that he's he's just not here anymore. Um, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> um, so uh, I think on that note, uh, that's it. We're, we're done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. Uh, you know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember how lucky we are to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. And uh, we'll see you next week. Something is always lost in art or experience when you analyze it. Mark Twain, once he became a riverboat pilot and learned the technical side of it, the Mississippi River was no longer beautiful for him. If I was to hire a sports writer, the first question I was going to ask him is, 
how do you reconcile the essential meaninglessness of sports? I mean, how do you reconcile watching young men bang into each other and try to advance an inflated pigskin against marked territory? I mean, that's what you're doing. How do you reconcile the importance of that? And I think it's like Shakespeare's poems or Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. This is going above and beyond. At its best, sports is look at what humans can do. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 